So I'm going to share what God's laid on my heart. I'll just get myself sorted before I pray. We've got a bit of a catch cry at home with our family. We have a few over the, over the years where we, we latch onto a, a, a saying. And I, I must admit, um, as a parent, I probably learned a bit from my dad. Now, my dad was a really good man and he, he um, was a good dad, but he was quite strict. He came from a, an upbringing where his mum was a strong Christian, lovely, beautiful lady, and the husband went to war. Um, he was a prisoner of war, came back, um, had issues with alcohol, and it was a difficult time for him growing up. So there was never much understanding of, from his dad about issues or struggles that he might have, may have had growing up. So I think the, that generation was a little bit like, if you did something wrong, it was like, that's unacceptable. Unacceptable. And there was no discussion about it. It was just unacceptable. Here are the consequences. Move on. These days, seems to be a bit of a shift. So I probably, in my early parenting days, was a bit like that. Sorry, Raquel. Is that true? It is. Thank you. A little bit like that. That's an that's an um, not acceptable response. So go to your room and da da da. And even in my teaching as a teacher, I remember teaching kids at school, and I would have a PE class. And I'd have twenty eight kids for forty two minutes, and I would um, I'd be sort of going. If someone mucked up, it was like, so Johnny. Over there, that's unacceptable. Get over there. Off you go. And I'd move over here and someone else, unacceptable, sit down. Come and say sorry to Mr. Duns, I'll let you back in. You know, it was that sort of mentality. Some of you looking at me going, oh, it's pretty ordinary. Um, That was the way it was. You had 28 kids for 42 minutes. You didn't have time to actually understand them. One day I had a, a boy at school who was struggling. It was a bit out of character and he was misbehaving a lot. And I went, hmm what's going on? This happened for three or four weeks and I just kept kicking him out and speaking to him, giving him a bit of a rev up, back to the next class. I, um, I thought, I'll go speak to the teacher, see what's going on. Then I found out that his parents had split up. Then my whole perspective changed. I then went from that is unacceptable with, with an element of grace, an element of understanding, And I think we as Christians get this wrong all the time. We think we can see the whole picture. We can't. We start making rants and venting and speaking and judging other people and we've only got a small little bit of the picture. What gives us the right to do that? It's not actually a good representation of Christians and a great testimony of what we're meant to be doing. We need to make make a choice. Get serious, church. Are we going to actually be like the world or are we going to actually rise and lift our level of faith, lift our level of, of, of who we are and become a little bit more like Jesus so that there'll be a testimony to other people? So I want to encourage you today as we unpack offence, hurt, damage, abuse, unforgiveness, what we can do biblically and how God honours that. Lord, I love you. I desperately need you. I'm so much aware of my own failings, my own weaknesses, my own desperate need for you. Lord, I ask that today your Holy Spirit would have your way and I pray for people's hearts, Lord, those that are hurting, those that have gone through incredible pain, suffering, they've been damaged and broken. Lord, that today... Your Holy Spirit 
I'm believing for your Holy Spirit to minister to people, that there'll be transaction, there'll be transformation in lives as people come in line with your word. So I thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus came to fulfill the Old Testament. He did so by being an example on how to live. He spoke the truth in love, even when it offended people. We've got to be careful there. We, you know, we're not Jesus, so we've got to make sure our motives are right when we're speaking the truth in love. We think it's in love. That's probably so we feel better about ourselves and we make someone else feel a little worse. That can be the occasion. I am a gifted man at offending others. I've done plenty of it, plenty of it. And one of the traps I've fallen into is I will say things that I think that wouldn't offend me. That wouldn't offend me. And so I'll blurt it out and someone else will take offence. The the reality is you have to guard your tongue and have control of your tongue. And I'm still a work in progress here. I like to try and say something funny, say something to impress, say something that... And it can sometimes offend people. Luke 6, I think we've got a scripture there, guys. 27, 28 and 32 from the NIV. Love your enemies, Jesus speaking. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is it that that to you? Even sinners, even non-Christians love those that love others. It's a challenge. I remember Terry telling a story once about, this is probably the most amazing example of someone forgiving others. He might have shared it in communion or something. It was about a a young girl who was raped and murdered. They caught the man, put him to jail, and the mother, who was a strong Christian, after grieving and working through her, her absolute pain and loss, she actually felt God say, I want you to go and meet the murderer, the rapist, in jail. She went in, told him that she forgave him. That radically changed his life. She decided to keep coming back. Their friendship grew and grew for years and years. Down the track, I'm not sure how many years, he got released. They travel around together, around the the countryside, telling people about the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. Seriously, church, the stuff that we hold on to is so small, yet it traps us inside deep, hurts us, damages us. And there's some of us here now who have made decisions in their life that, that they go, I'm not proud of that. Now, God wants to set you free today. He wants to actually make you whole. But he won't do it unless you take a step of faith. So there'll be an opportunity later when we have communion for that to happen. For you to take a step of faith and say, no more. I'm going to become an example and a shining light of God's grace in the lives of others. Why would this woman have done this? Why would she have... And I've reflected on this when I was preparing for the message. She understood and lived Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So for me, I wake up most mornings and and beat my chest and go, Lord, I'm unworthy, I'm a sinner. But I can still come boldly to the throne of grace because of what Jesus did for me on Calvary. And so there's a transaction took place. For me, when I first was, my life was a mess. 
God rescued me. And I'm, it's 25, 30 years ago, and I am eternally grateful for what he's done in my life. I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for his grace and his rescue in my life. See, she understood grace. And I read something which is quite cool on grace. I've never seen it before. Grace, and it was like an acronym, so G-R-A-C-E. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. See, Christ died for us, and yet God forgave us so that we could have a relationship with him and have eternal life and life here on earth to the full. Sadly, offence, abuse, tragedy is part of life, and I know there's people probably listening, some people here that have gone through some stuff that is incredibly difficult. As Christians, we are not spared. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. It says that. And this is my catch cry now with my family. Whenever there's an issue, I think my daughter's upstairs helping so I can talk about her. Um, late last year, she was at school. It was her last day at the school. And one of the, one, she was waiting to go home and she was starting a new school the next year. And one of the boys just in her year, as she was waiting to go home at the end of the day, last day of school, he just started giving her a real hard time teasing her about other boys liking her and all that sort of stuff, and it just overwhelmed her. And she actually it just blurted out some stuff she wasn't proud of, and she started calling him some names and, ba- and bounced back. Um, when, when we found out about this, we're going, my old way of doing things is, that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable. Go to your room and there'll be consequences for that. But as I've got a little softer... As God's done a work in my heart and my life, as I've had a wife who is reasonably emotional <laughs> and a daughter who can also express her emotions, I've actually changed the catch cry of our family. So I said to her that day, I said, Michaela, it's understandable that you felt that way. It's actually understandable, but it's not acceptable the way you responded. And I think that's close to the truth that Jesus, that, that Jesus actually demonstrated. He came to earth... He knows what you're going through. He experienced tragedy, suffering, hurt. Um, Peter denied him three times. Judas, a good friend, betrayed him. The Christian leaders, or they weren't Christian leaders, the, the, the godly leaders of the time turned on him and he was crucified. He knows what it's like. He promises never to leave you and forsake you. He wants to carry you through the, the challenges, the difficulties, the hurt that you're going through. But we need to make a choice. Am I going to move forward with God or am I going to stay where I am and stay in that state of resentment and bitterness? Okay. Introduction. Done. John 16.8 says, When the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove or convict that the world is wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. See, Jesus came to convict we love the Holy Spirit. We love the, the aspects of the Holy Spirit where we can go, Lord, help me, comfort me, strengthen me, guide me, lead me. Have your way in my life. I need you, Lord. Protect me, Lord. And we ask the Holy Spirit, how often, when was the last time you went, Holy Spirit, convict me of my sin? It's not something I do a lot of. And that's the challenge. It's part of the, the, the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict us. You know, conviction can lead us to offence. 
If we get convicted by God, people can turn away from God. They don't like being told that they've got issues in their lives. This is the truth. So you, can, you make a choice. Am I going to actually draw near to God? Or am I going to turn away from God? And uh, Romans 2.4 says, It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. He leads us to repentance because he knows it's good for us. He wants to make us a little bit more like himself. Heard a couple other statements and one was this. When truth is, revi- is preached, there will always be some offence. And straight away I thought of Keith. If you've heard Keith speak, you can be offended fairly regularly. I love Keith's preaching because he does actually say it how it is. He doesn't make it all nice and warm and fuzzy. He says, this is the idea, you make a choice. This is what's written in the word of God, you make a choice. And so what it does, conviction and sometimes the potential for offence can actually cause you to draw near to God, make a decision or turn your back. But we should never apologise for preaching the word of God. I saw a devotion once that said, people need to be hurt before they can be healed. You can't get healed if you think you're doing okay. You need to be hurt. So you've got to acknowledge that you are in need. I love this scripture. Second Chronicles 7.14. Have we got that there, guys? Amazing, you guys. Second Chronicles 7.14. Let me read it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face... And turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive your sin and heal your land. So that's for us, let's take it, that was a promise to the Israelites. For us now, if you my people, that's us, who are called by my name, Christians, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. That's a desperate dependence on God. That's not rocking up to a church once a month, not opening a Bible, um, praying when you're in need, it's actually a desperate dependence on daily living and God's wanting us to take a step of faith and go, God, I need you. I need you more. And I know, life's busy. Don't get me wrong. I've fallen into that trap before where I squeeze God out. But it's time, it's time church, to get serious. Times are getting darker and darker and we're either going to actually rise up and be carried by God and walk in the promises and the victory that he's given us or we're going to crumble. We're going to drift away. We're going to turn away. Fall away. It's happened to plenty. If we'll humble ourselves and pray and seek my face, turn from your wicked ways. Now, I I wouldn't have thought I had wicked ways in me. You know what wicked ways are? It's a focus on self. It's a disobedience from God's ways. They're wicked. God sees them as wicked. The good thing is, because of our relationship with Jesus, we're washed clean, free, because of what he did on the cross at Calvary and he sees us, God the Father sees us the same way he sees Jesus, which is the good news. Undeserved merit, undeserved favour. So let's not be offended but rather embrace conviction, repentance, transformation as it is God's plan to make us a bit more like Jesus. Now I'm acutely aware, as I said before, there are people that have gone through some tragedies and some suffering. and uh, it, it is obviously not just an offence. It's actually a lot deeper. So please hear my heart. Um, I know there are people going through stuff now that, uh, that is, is really, really difficult. Um, so, but God will make a way in the middle of those circumstances. He'll make your path straight. So um, 
Yeah, I, this is the thought I had. Is there are some people here that might actually be offended by the fact that where was God in the middle of my tragedy? Where was God in the middle of my circumstances where everything fell apart? God, where were you? That's a common question people ask. They go through loss. I've got a friend of mine I met, got to know Jenny um, when we went to Uganda together. Got to know her well. She shared her story. She's going to share for about three minutes about a remarkable, um, how God has carried her through tragedy and kept her spirit pure. She had a choice to make. Will she become bitter or will she become better? Jenny, come up and share, please. Thank you. You want to put your stuff there? Yeah. Woo! Yes, that is ready to go. Thank you. Um, I'd like to invite you all, please, to come on a journey with me back 44 years ago. Um, So it was three years after I married the man of my dreams, Rolly. My husband had a tragic accident, hang gliding, broke his neck and became a quadriplegic. He was 24 and I was 22. He spent a full year in the Austin Spinal Hospital and the rehab. We were in utter despair and darkness, hurting in pain and sorrow, without hope and facing an unknown future. However, the following year, we met Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and we asked him, into our hearts. Jesus filled us with his Holy Spirit and he gave us strength, power, hope, peace, joy and love. Even though Rolly was confined to a wheelchair for another 33 years, he lived an abundant life of faith in God and went home to be with our Lord Jesus in 2011. Moving on, four years later, um, I was introduced and fell in love with a wonderful Christian man, and we were married for only 16 months. But it was God's appointed time, for he too passed away, in 2017. But I give thanks to God for his blessings and the time that Barry and I had together and all the praise and the glory go to Jesus Christ. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purposes. I'd also like to uh, read out First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it.
Um, at the stage my journey of life is now, um, Psalm 30 is very precious, verse 11 to 12, that you, God, have turned my mourning into joyful dancing and you have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks forever. Thank you. you take that, take that. Now, what an awesome testimony. God's grace and what he can do with a life that hangs on to him through the middle of tragedy. Thanks, Jen. Let's, let's quickly go into a few biblical perspectives on how to deal with people that have offended us. We've all been offended, brothers, sisters, <laughs> daughters not really what everyone we're going we live a life we're in a in a, a broken world damaged world we are going to get offended and so i'm not really talking about the fact that wanting to be condemned by the odd words you're saying to someone that it's taken the wrong way i've had to deal with at church here it's surprising a low number only three or four times where people have spoken to me or i've found out that i've offended people but i've chosen to respond in a way which i'll share later and it's actually strengthened the relationship it's actually a godly way and God honours that and it strengthens the relationship. So let's have a little look at why we are so easily offended. You know, why? one way we might be easily offended is because we are insecure. Our security is what other people think of us. Bruce, you want to give a testimony? The hand went up. No, no. Um, we're insecure. Um, I used to struggle with that myself before I was a Christian and the journey over the last 25 years has been actually actually caring more about what God thought of me than what other people think of me. It's a process. Hebrews 12 says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You know what? A lot of people do this. I've I've heard the analogy. It's like these, someone will say something and it's not even meant for that particular person, but the arrow is like floating above their their head and they jump up and they they grab the arrow and they put it in their own heart. I mean, we have to be secure in Christ Jesus, in who we are as Christians. Otherwise, we're vulnerable to social media, to what people think of us, how many likes we get, um, what people say. It's time, church, to grow up. God wants to feed us not just infant milk anymore. He wants to feed us solid meat. But he's not going to do that until we actually grow up a little bit and be a little different to the ways of the world. hope that's not too strong. Number two, we have a wrong theology and a wrong mindset. What's that mean? I think we come to church expecting it to be like a lifestyle, exclusive lifestyle club where people are there to meet our needs. That's the opposite of what we are. We're meant to be a a hospital available for hurt, broken, damaged people to come here and be healed. And so when we come here, we need to actually come with an expectation that we could be offended because we're dealing with broken people and then we need to respond in grace do you know Christianity is simple very simple do what Jesus said to do but it's not easy we're in a battle we've got the enemy who's doing his utmost to bring disunity to the church to bring lack of peace he wants to make us 
you know, stressed and worried and so expect offence and respond in grace. Number three, we have a very narrow, selfish perspective. I, uh, this is as good as an, uh, a prop comes when I do a, a meeting. <laughs> that colour is black. Um, we see things that are black, black and white. You're seeing it black, but ha, huh, have a look here. White. So I'm seeing it differently to you. So you're only seeing one perspective. And you know what? It's not a matter of turning the perspective around. It's actually a matter of you getting out of your chair, coming up and seeing things and going, oh, that's not exactly the way it is. That teaching situation where I was working with kids, very black and white. You're mucking around, sit down, get over there. Once I understood, once I actually um, had some understanding, I actually showed some empathy, some grace and some love to that, per- that person, that boy. It's the same in our lives today. Um, a really good example of this was, I heard the story years ago, and um, there was a man who got on the train with three of his kids. And all of a sudden, the kids, everyone was sitting there on a Saturday, just quietly minding their own business, a lot of peace in the, in the carriage. These three kids started climbing and jumping, running around all over the place, and, and everyone was getting agitated. Christian man thought, I probably need to do something here. I need to step up and, and, and I speak to this man and I speak the truth in love. So he went up to the, the gentleman and said, after about 10 minutes, and said, oh, excuse me, sir, your kids seem to be really uh, causing a bit of a few problems. They're all over the place and they're running. He goes, oh, sorry, really, really sorry. My mind's just elsewhere. I just came from the hospital where my wife passed away. We judge from a narrow perspective. We have to actually grow up and start living the way that Jesus wants us because, you know, his desire is to change us and make us more like him. Then we might be attractive to the world. At the moment, attractive, not attractive. Attractive, venting. You know, I I know there are people, you can tell, that are hurting, that are broken, that are damaged because it spews out of their mouth. It can be on Facebook. It can be the way we speak to people. It, if you want the blessing of God over you and your family and the future generations, you need to actually follow what God's asking us to do. Number four, we have an enemy, which I've touched on. His main purpose in John 10.10 10 is to kill, steal and destroy. He wants to kill your peace, steal your joy and destroy church unity. You know, when you get offence or offended by someone, if it's not dealt with properly, that offence becomes unforgiveness. Unforgiveness breeds disunity. Disunity means God doesn't bless. It's written in the word of God. And so we as a church, individually, I'm speaking to myself here as well, it's been a journey. But I must admit now I'm very quick to deal with offence. So if I ever offend anyone, please come and see me so I know I've offended you. The good news is that John 10.10, Jesus says, but I've come to give us life and life to the full. Philippians 4.7 says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I heard an analogy. Um, This is about, you know, how do we deal biblically with an offence? And this is not in the Bible, but it's an analogy I liked. And so I'm going to use that before I go into 
analogy. It's a traffic light analogy. So we all have emotions, negative thoughts. Um, and what happens is the traffic lights, when, orange, when we have negative emotions and those thoughts come to us and, 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 and you were feeling bad about something, someone may have offended us, the orange light is flashing. That means warning, 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 warning. What are you going to do? Are you going to actually stay where you are and get consumed by those thoughts and it becomes unforgiveness? That's like the red light saying, you're stuck where you are. You stop. Or you can biblically respond, take a step of faith and be set free, move forward. And so here's four ways, biblical ways, that we can move forward with the green light when those emotions come. And you know what? The quicker we deal with that and move, make a decision to move forward, the quicker, the more mature we become as a Christian. But the enemy is keen to actually keep us in the red light area. Number one, ways to move forward in a godly manner. Forgive the person and forget the offence and move on. Wow, that's pretty simple. Forgive the person, forget the offence and move on. Now, I'm aware that that can happen in quite a few situations. It's not too difficult. But if the offence is big... And if you are damaged and broken, then you need to actually go to the next level. Go speak with the person, but here's the key. With a heart of reconciliation. So with a heart of reconciliation, your motive has to be to reconcile. You know what our heart can be when we're hurting? My heart is to get a win and for them to have a loss. Heart of reconciliation is a win-win. And you both move forward in the grace of God and God blesses that. So it's your motive. It says here in Psalm 139, Search me, Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way and lead me in the way of everlasting. Christianity is simple. We just don't do it very well. Third way, Luke 6, 28 says, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who curse you not easy but it's a it's a command we don't have an option it's not like jesus says oh unless it's really offensive unless they've really hurt you just do it pray for someone who's hurt you pray for someone who has caused you pain a testimony for me just a quick one uh years ago i must have been naive i was a new christian so i just did what the bible said these days it gets a bit more complicated you try and analyze it and work it out and you know, just do what the Bible says. So I was coaching tennis in Melbourne, had a, a good business, a big club with 150 people, and I, I built another club up with about 80. And what happened was, um, within a space of a, a month or two, the, the club came to me and said, oh, look, we're, we're actually going to get rid of you and get someone else. I said, well, I've actually built the club up, and what, what's going on here? And what had happened was, the committee had changed. So the committee got a new family on, which was a husband, a wife, and a daughter on the committee. And she had a boyfriend who was a tennis coach. And all of a sudden, I'm up there, and the vote was 4-3, and I'm out. I'm down 30 grand of my income because of this. At that stage, I'm a new Christian. I'm going, God, what's going on? Where are you? What are you doing? You've abandoned me. No, no. Teaching me a lesson. So I chose to bless and pray for the committee. I took chocolates around and left it at the door of the people who are the president of the club. I wrote a nice note, said thanks for the time there, da-da-da, and actually did that. God bless me. 
I, I got 70% of the people to come across to the other club where I was at. They had, they had 15 kids left out of the 80. And um, within 18 months, he got the sack and the whole thing had fallen apart. So you have to actually be obedient to what God is saying in the word of God if you want his blessing. Matthew 18, 16 says, but if he will not hear you, take two, one or two elders so that they, every matter may be established by two or three witnesses. I love this. James 3 in the Message Bible says this. James 3, about 16, I think it is. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart. And everyone ends up at others, the other's throats. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterised by getting along with others. It is gentle, reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day, cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results. Here it is. Only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honour. It's hard work. It's hard work. Not everyone likes me. I can't understand that. I'm a reasonably friendly guy, but I will upset people. I call a spade a spade. I'll shake things up. Sometimes I wish I'd just shut up. Thank you, Terry. It's good to have one. Are you on the, you on the eldership? Oh, good, good. <laughs> what are the, some of the consequences of unforgiveness? Unforgiveness hurts you and those that you love. If you have not forgiven someone, it's going to actually have some sort of consequence. Luke 6.45 says that, for out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. So I've heard it said this, if you're having trouble forgiving someone or, and, and out of your mouth is coming judgment, criticism, hurt, it's like taking poison and hoping someone else will die. You're the one that's not dealing with the unforgiveness. It's actually having more an effect on you and your family. Philippians 4.8 says, meditate on what is pure, noble, true, excellent, admirable and praiseworthy. So we actually have to do something proactive to change the way we think. Otherwise, we'll just keep spewing out stuff that's coming out of our heart, out of the hurt, out of the damage, out of the brokenness. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Jesus. Simple. Are we doing it? That's a question that the Holy Spirit would ask you. Are you prepared to take a step and go, I need to change. Am I going to make this a priority? Am I going to actually take that step of faith and change? Dis- Number two, consequences of unforgiveness. Disunity hurts the gospel message. We become a poor testimony of God's grace. Revelation twelve eleven says, they overcame by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Number three, disunity blocks or stops the blessing of God in our church and community. So if we've got people here coming to church and they've actually got um, unforgiveness towards someone, then it's actually blocking the blessing of God. It says so in the word of God. Where there is unity, God commands the blessing. Where there's division, where there's unanswered, undealt with unforgiveness, God goes, 
His blessings are based on our obedience. Disunity displeases God. Number four, Psalm 133. How good and how pleasant it is for the church to dwell together in unity. You know, God has got a calling on this church to reach out and impact the community. Are we serious enough to actually go, I'm going to change this aspect of my life. I'm going to go deeper with him and be a part of the blessing that God wants to pour out on this northeast region of which we are a part of. Continuing on from James 3. James 4 says this from the Message Bible. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You're cheating on God. If all you want is your own way, flirting with the world, every chance you get, you end up enemies of God and his way. So let God work his will in you. Yell a loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Purify your inner life. Hit rock bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. Really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Don't badmouth each other, friends. It's God's word, his message, his royal rule that takes a beating in that kind of talk. You're supposed to be honouring the message, not writing graffiti all over it. God is in charge of deciding human destiny. Who do you think you are to meddle in the destiny of others? That's a truth. That's fairly confronting. It's not just affecting us. It's actually having an impact on our church, on our family, on future generations. I'm bringing this to a close. I'd like to invite the worship team up, please. We're going to prepare our hearts for a bit of communion. If something I've shared today has actually spoken to you and you've felt like maybe, maybe there's, I need to make, take a step of faith, you're going to have an opportunity in your own space, sitting there in your own chair, to actually have an encounter with God, to have a transaction. If you've been damaged and abused and hurt and you are struggling to, to come out, God wants to set you free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. He wants to do that. I really believe that. If you've struggled with your words and you've offended people and you, you're out of hurt, just come to God at the time of communion and, and let, him, let him do a deep work in your heart. The guys are going to sing a beautiful song called Calvary. So let's shift ourselves away from our own unworthiness, our own sinfulness, our own separation from God, our own brokenness, and look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who makes us worthy, free of sin, forgiven, makes us whole and righteous with him. This can be a real special time. I'm believing for God to touch hearts. Lord, I love you. I ask for your forgiveness, Lord, for all the times that I've offended people. I'm so unworthy. But, but Lord, I choose to shift my eyes away from my unworthiness and look up to the cross of Calvary. 
because you died to set me free. That's the good news, Lord. That's why it's good news. You take a broken life and make it whole when we don't deserve it. I thank you, Lord, for that. Lord, I pray for every single person here, those that are hurting, those that are broken, those that have caused offence. Lord, I ask that you would minister to them and they would know your grace, your forgiveness, your healing touch. Make us whole, Lord, not just because you love us, but for the glory of your name, that we may be used as a vessel of honour to reach out and touch other people's lives. We need you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name.